Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Rob Jones and welcome to 20 Questions With. Our guest on this edition of the show is a theatrical legend, a Tony Award winner, a two-time Grammy Award winner, a two-time Academy Award nominee, singer, dancer, comedian, Shakespearean actor and raconteur. He was the youngest professional comedian on the British musical stage and joined the National Theatre at the special request of Sir Laurence Olivier. On Broadway, he starred in Scapino, Barnum and Me and My Girl. Of course, he's well remembered for no less than 11 carry-on films. So my first question is, and we sussed this already, what is your name? Well, it's now Jim Dale, but it used to be Jim Smith. Really? All those years ago, yes. So was that a uh, need to change it for equity, or you just thought Dale was better than Smith? I think Dale looked better on a, on a, a you know, letterhead or something rather than Smith. There are quite a few Smiths, especially <laughs> comics who were called Smith <laughs> in those days. So Dale was the uh, the name that I, I, I ended up with, thank goodness I did. Is that your legal name now? Or oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I had my children's names used to be Smith, so so we had to change that to right. Dale, and it's been Dale since I was about eight, 20 years old. Well, it's brilliant to have you with us, and you are looking you. fit as a fiddle, if I may Thank say so. Thank you very much. You <laughs> should see it from inside here, where <laughs> I am. No, I feel fit. I feel fit. I keep myself fit. By that, I mean I don't do all the push-ups and leg-ups and whatever other ups they do, but I take the dog for a walk regularly for two, two or three miles, and the fact is, if you have a Doberman as a dog, it's the dog that takes you for the walk. Obviously, absolutely. Yes. Question number two, oh. and we know this, but maybe you want to clarify. <clears throat> what do you do these days? What does Jim Dale do? Well, he wakes up every morning. That to me is the greatest thing ever. Um, you know, what do I do? I spend my life. Uh, <laughs> seem to be rehearsing these days. Um, when you're doing a one-man show, as, as I've been doing with my wonderful director, Richard Maltby, we, we go over the script constantly, constantly, constantly. A two-man show doesn't mean you just stand up there and... and Paul faces you. You have to memorize sixteen thousand words, which uh, sixteen thousand words that go out every night. Richard would say to me after the show, "You missed a word out tonight. Put it back in tomorrow." So that's how strict he is, and uh, he he told me that's the way you should do it to feel so confident in the memorizing that you've done that you can now play with that whole evening. Let's go back to question number three now, Jim. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Rothwell, which is in Northamptonshire, which is, of course, the leather capital of England. So um, everybody in that town had some connection with, I suppose, the shoe trade. There were three small factories. Um, 
There were there was a, an iron foundry works. So that's about all. And factories that made the old wagons, you know, for the farm. And we were surrounded by countryside. So my my life growing up was that of a farm hand, really. You know, I used to work uh, at the farm on, at the top of the hill and uh, spend my holidays just uh, roving through the thousands of acres of lovely woodlands and fields there. And I've often said those are the days that I, I really miss. The days that when one could race through a field and there'd be a billion white cabbage butterflies and you'd race through it like a snowstorm and then you'd, as kids, we'd lay down and suddenly 10,000 white butterflies land on top of you and looking up at the sky and seeing 50,000 starlings blocking out the sun in the late afternoon and looking out of the window at night and seeing billions of bright stars, every color of the rainbow, that blue and green and yellow and colors in the sky, which well, those are the things that not only we will never see again, but unfortunately our grandchildren and their grandchildren will never know what we're talking about. You're a romantic, aren't you? I certainly am, and I think I love it. Mm. Brothers and sisters? I have one lovely, lovely brother. His name is Mike Smith, and he lives just two miles from where we were born in a place called Desborough with his lovely wife, four children, and endless grandchildren. That's lovely. And he's a joy of my life. And parents, did they get you into showbiz, or was that something you... Take upon yourself. No, I did not have the sort of parents who pushed me into showbiz, and I didn't have a stage mother. I mean, those are the worst creatures on earth. I had the sort of parents who said, Jim, you've got a life ahead of you, and it's up to you. You can do what you like, but you can make a choice later on, or you can do it now. Do you have an interest? And I said, yes, I, I love I love making a fool of myself. I love making people laugh. They said, fine, why don't you find a song, and perhaps you can do it in an amateur talent contest. So first thing I ever did was... Uh, Ella Shields, she used to be a male impersonator from Music Hall. And uh, I went on stage at one of the little pubs, I think, or clubs in Rothwell and sang Burlington Bertie from Bow, one of the old Music Hall songs. And the joy of just standing in front of a crowd, you know, uh, and making a fool of myself and joking without some teacher caning me afterwards for doing it. That made quite a change. And so they encouraged me to go to dancing, and which I did for six years. Everything, you name it, I did it for six years. Ballet, tap, ballroom, national dancing, tumbling, judo, everything. But that gave me the training to just walk on a stage with a confidence that walk, the walk can give you. Some people can walk on the stage and they look so, you know, unsteady or unhappy or... Anyway, what I was could, Dad's? What was Dad's profession? <clears throat> Dad worked in an iron foundry. Right, he was wonderful. I mean, when I say when I say he worked in an iron foundry, he was. He actually manufactured those objects. But then he was a molder, and it's like that. that he, I have all his tools still. Those wonderful tools that he used to mold those those that black clay into the perfect shape so that when they poured the the hot metal onto it and then broke it open a couple of days later, there was this magnificent, funny-looking piece. But by the time it had been polished up, you go back to see the finished result, and it was one of these giant bacon-slicing machines that the huge stores used to have. And you think, wow, that took a bit of doing. And uh, Dad was there at the initial design of all that. Fantastic. Here's question number four to Jim Dale. What's your most treasured possession, Jim? Oh, well, I have many. Four children, 
to start off with, obviously. I've, I've been married twice, and both my wives are, were joys. My first wife was a joy in my life for 20 years. My wife I'm married to now, Julie, I've been married to her for 35 years, and we haven't had a row yet. So something is wrong. Something is wrong with that marriage. But um, there's another joy of my life. And I also have my Dobie, my Dobie, jo- Georgie girl. And she's a joy. She's been around for 11 years. And the Dobie before that was a joy called La-di-da. You know, with a, with a name like La-di-da, you've got to be gentle. That dog didn't even bark. It just went bowsy wowsy. You know, <laughs> it was wonderful. Question number five for you now, Jim. Um, happiest day of your life? Probably the last 20, 35 years with Julie. That's it. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of days, but I, I've had absolute joy with this. Where did you meet Julie? I went into her gallery, and she had a wonderful art-to-wear gallery um, in New York City, and it was beautiful. And these were artists who um, had studied at university, and uh, instead of going into the you know painting on canvas, they went into uh, textiles, designing textiles, creating textiles, and working with textiles. And they were creating wonderful things that it's impossible to describe. A coat that can perhaps take one year to design. Um, yes, it's wearable, but you don't wear a coat that's that beautiful. You can put it on the wall, have a lovely spotlight on it. Art to wear. So her whole gallery had these wonderful creations by various people. Tom Elton John was a great... He used to come in, close the door, lock the door, so that Elton can go around and pick out the various things that he wanted. Um, Cher was one of the great customers. So Julie was... And also... For instance, some man, an artist came in one day with a, a bomber jacket and you couldn't see the leather because it was covered in 25,000 gold safety pins in the way, in the shape of waves. And when you touch one side of it, waves, they all moved. So the Metropolitan Museum representative walked past the, the gallery and said, that's what we need, we wanted it. So within a couple of days, it was in the archives of the Metropolitan Museum and many of the pieces there. That was the gallery I went into and saw the most beautiful thing in it and walked out with it, which was the owner. Where do you live now? Where do you and Julie live now? Um, I live in Manhattan. It's a wonderful place to be because it's within walking distance of every theatre on and off Broadway. And it's within walking distance of anywhere you want to go, to a park, to an an amusement, to the zoo, to a theatre. So um, being in central uh, Manhattan doesn't means you don't need an, a motor car, you don't need a car to get around, you don't even need a bicycle. It's lovely walking through. And you've been doing your show, mm-hmm. just Jim Dale. You've been doing that on Broadway, haven't you? Absolutely. At the Roundabout Theatre. This is a subscription theatre. Um, I've worked for them for, this is my fifth production with them. And uh, they gave me 12 weeks. That's at 96 performances we did. So every every time we do it, we polish it. So you can imagine after 96 performances, Richard and I have really got something that we're, we're quite proud of. And with this show, have you changed it any for the UK market? Well, I'm not changing it. I'm including things in this English production side of it than America. They don't know what a carry-on film is in America, so it's no good me wasting time, my time and their time, telling them about something they know nothing about. So we, det- we realised when we came to, that we're doing it in England, yes, of course, I'm going to be lynched. 
if I don't talk about yeah. the carry-on films. So that's a section of the show. Not a lot, but, but it is a section of the show purely devoted to the carry-on films. Uh, here's question number six to yeah. Jim Dale. What are you scared of? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I'm not really scared of, of anything. <laughs> I want on my 80th birthday, which is this August. I I want to go bungee jumping. My wife will not let me. I'm not scared. I want to go jumping out of a plane, jump out with a parachute, and I'd love to try that. But no, she's the one who's scared. She's the one that's scared of lots of things for me. You're fearless. You're fearless. Here's number seven now. Who was your hero? Oh, I've had many. Obviously, you know, the the comedic uh, talents of this world are the heroes. Buster Keaton, for instance, with the visual comedy that he created in the old silent films, you know, those were just a joy. That's where I should have been born. I, I, if I had a chance of being born, that's where I would have been born in those early silent movie days so that I could have been involved in not just, not just being in a silent film, but working with people and the, their inventive uh, talents and sitting around a table designing and, and constructing comedic visual comedy. That would be a joy. You're one of our great British exports, though, aren't you? You've, ha- you've had great success in America, which is hard to come by for Brits sometimes, isn't it? I suppose it is. But, you know, the, the, the problem when, when Brits go over to America is the fact that they may be taking with them a great talent, their own or other people's, but great music or great songs. <clears throat> if they do not have the money to promote that... Once they get to New York, then nobody will know they're there. And that's the joy. If you can go to America and know you have the backing of certain people over there or certain monies that will promote you in the newspapers or in the advertisements so that people will actually come and put bums on your seats, that's most important. So when I went over, I was lucky enough to be with the National Theatre and the Young Vic. So those were they, those people were promoting. Once over there, we did Scapino from a mere four or five performances at the Brooklyn Academy of music and an, a, a lady in the audience loved the show uh, Rita Hillman her name is and she was a wonderful lady it was suggested that we might put this show on the following year at the round at circle in the square theater and this lady said I'll put the money up now that was enabled them to promote the show with the result that it did open it got 47 rave reviews which i believe is still a, a, an unbroken record 47 rave reviews and it it stayed for the 12 weeks in circle in the square and then circle in the square moved it to the ambassador theater where it played to capacity audiences for another year here's a uh, question number eight and it's a bit of a silly one what did you do yesterday jim dale <laughs> <laughs> yesterday i spent from the morning of nine o'clock in the morning till five thirty at night being interviewed by 17 different newspapers that's why my voice is a bit croaky today. <laughs> I'm not Seven, surprised. Seventeen newspapers, but it's but that they, promotion. Oh, they allowed me to go for a pee twice, which was so generous of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And another silly one. Question number nine: mm. Who was the last person you spoke to on the telephone? My wife last night. Mm. And she's still in New York. She's still in New York. Yes. You're missing her. 
Yes, of course, of course you are. Yes, but she'll be coming over for the whole month when we when we come in May. Fantastic. That's at the Vaudeville Theatre, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, great. That's not my first visit. I was at the Vaudeville Theatre 50 years ago this year with my first West End musical. I, I was appearing in it and I was producing it. I'd raised the money and put it on. And we opened at the Vaudeville Theatre. Unfortunately, uh, Churchill died um, the week we, we opened. And so it, it, it killed British theatre. In fact, when he died, he took quite a number of theatres with him. You know, they all died at the same time, <laughs> including ours. Uh-huh. So, But it's a, this is a celebrating. It's 50 years. That's and, great. And it's just amazing that the old dressing room I had 50 years ago still looks the same. <laughs> My initials are still there as having been there in whenever it was. Great. Well, I look forward to that. Here's question number 10. I know, which one are you going to pick? Have you got any awards? You've got loads. Yes, but my best awards were... I've got one for 1944 for tap dancing, so I was nine years old. That's one of my proudest possessions. And another one was got one for ballet in 1944, so that's one of my proudest possessions. Then there's another one for 1944 for Latin American dancing. Fantastic. So that's, that's one of my proud possessions. Yeah. So you know, I was doing 10 dancing lessons a week in those days and going in for exams and all that. So those three little medals, I, I take them out every other year and polish them up and put them back. You got some quite big ones as well. You got Tony. Yes, but they weren't as important as, as when you're nine years old, you get a medal. A medal at the age of nine made of silver. Wow. Well, but sil- they're not these days. Well, it's got silver on the top of it, you know. <laughs> so you're a trooper, aren't you? You're a true trooper. Yeah. Singer, dancer. Which is which is the most fulfilling? I think call me explorer, and I really, I say that because you know we've got this tree of this showbiz tree of ours. You know it's got so many different branches that you can go up or down and, and explore, and that's what I've spent my whole life doing, just exploring. What do we have in this business that might be interesting to try? I may not like it, but at least try it. Let's try disc jockeying up that branch because it could very well be somebody wants to. Have you done it? Disc jockey. I was a disc jockey for the BBC. Fantastic. I did Saturday morning children's favourites from 10 o'clock to 12. I remember. I did a year of that. That's right. I do remember that now. So that that was wonderful. It's not that I didn't want to do it after I'd done it. I I tried it. I said I loved it. Right. Thank you. We might need that. Perhaps somebody will write a play for a disc jockey or a disc jockey part. Then I'll know exactly how to behave and how to do it. So that's how I've been spending my whole career. Let's let's go up this audio book branch. See what that's like. Loved it. Great. Now let's try another one. As long as there are branches that I haven't explored, I'm I'm very happy to keep going. Well, they say, question number 11, that cooking is the new showbiz. Do you have a signature dish? Yeah, I found one. Yes, it, uh, it comes from Costa Rica. And it's lovely. So I cook that every now and then because once you cook this big, big pan full of all this food, the two of you can have it, then you can freeze it for weeks on end. You can have that same dish every night for three weeks the way I make it. <laughs> and what's in it? What's <laughs> oh, in it? you name it. Don't want it. the full recipe, but... No, but you should never, you should never copy any recipe exactly. You should always make it your own by adding something, a, a touch of snuff, just a pinch <laughs> of snuff, just to make it different and your own. It's number 12. Yeah. If we're having that Costa Rican dish then, yes. 
Four people, dead or alive, who you'd invite to the dinner party. Four people, dead or alive, oh dear. Well, obviously Shakespeare. I'd, of course, I'd sit there saying, is it really you? Do you really exist? <laughs> but you've done a lot of Shakespeare. Actually. And perhaps over here, do we know you that well for your Shakespeare? We know you, obviously, for the carry-ons. No, I've played most of Shakespeare's clowns, yeah. yes, yes. But it was ex- great exploring Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, see, I joined the National Theatre and I have no idea about Shakespeare. And so uh, the way I got through it was by asking the other Shakespearean actors, what does this sentence mean? And they'd say, we'll tell you if you give us a bit of comic business for when we walk on. So I swap comic business for explanations as to what Shakespeare was all about. Brilliant. So Shakespeare's at the dinner party. He'll, he'll be there, yes, yes, serving the pudding. Marcel Marceau, I tell him just sit there and shut up. <laughs> you know, don't, don't say, well, I'd have Buster Keaton there just to mime, mime away a few things. So that's three of them. Buster Keaton, I would love to talk to. Um, I nearly, I, I met his wife in, in Los Angeles, but I just missed meeting Buster. And I think another interesting character that I would love to have around is, and uh, one of the funniest men on the British stage was um, Alistair Sim. And Alistair, I saw him in The Magistrate, and I just fell fell about. I fell in love with this man, and so he would be the... And I said to him, I would love to work with you, Alistair. And he said, I'd love to work with you, Jim. And that, I thought, great. And then, of course, the inevitable happened. So I would love to talk to a man like... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That with such comedic talent. Here's question number 13 uh, to Jim Dale. I guess you you live in Manhattan now, grew up in England, uh, but you must have travelled the globe with the films that you've done and the work that you've done. If there's one place in the world that you'd say you must go and visit there, where would that be? Oh, you would have to go uh, to the Galapagos Islands. I went there with a, a group of friends and we had a catamaran which was slept 14 people. That's all, just 14 of us. And I thought it was going to be so boring, you know, getting up at 4.30 every morning. But every morning was a different island. And everything was different over there. The animals had no fear. There was no DNA of fear in in their body. So you can actually, you don't need a zoom lens or camera lens that can go in or telescope. You just walked up to these birds sitting on their nest. You can get a foot from them. Hold your sunglasses out and the bird would peck the sunglasses. It was unbelievably beautiful. You'd walk around a corner and there'd be 2,000 pink flamingos just walking in the water. Turn another corner, there'd be two or three hundred um, turtles mating in the shallow waters there. It was unbelievable. And if you went to one island and you saw the tortoise there, big 
beautiful tortoise. And then you went to another island that not the same tortoise, but it wasn't. That tortoise on that island could only eat grass. So its shell was just the normal shell. On this island, there was no grass. There were just trees. So nature over millions of years had carved two little curves in the back of the tortoise shell so that when it started to climb the trees, its legs went into those open hollows. In other words, they were indigenous to that island. Those animals up there could not survive a mere 20 miles away on that island. Everything was like that. And it was the most magical place I've ever been to. You're listening to 20 Questions with Jim Dale. And uh, here's question number 14 now, Jim. It's a difficult one. If you met the 18-year-old you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what would you do? What would you say? What advice might you give yourself? Mm. I'd probably say, you know, watch a little more than you've been doing. Because that's the only way you'll learn. Not by doing it, by watching it done by the best people. I would have suggested that I go to see more theatre in those days than just concentrate on music hall. I never went to see a play until I was about 20 uh, because I was too involved in music hall, 14 shows a week. You, know, you can't do it. So my advice would have been, yes, go. don't just think there's music hall. There is other theatre. There's ballet. There's opera. There's, there's legit theatre. Try and go there and... And see their form of entertainment rather than just watching from the wings every night other um, variety people. That was my world for two and a half, for three years, just variety. And of course, the theatre world is much larger than that. And I should have explored it at a much earlier age. I did later on, but the Carry On movies. Great fun to do. You, uh, you did 11. Who were, the, who were the stars that you enjoyed working with most or the most memorable stars you worked with on those carry-ons? Well, you know, the list goes on forever. There was uh, ah, there was Sid James, Hattie Jakes, uh, Charles Hawtrey, Joan Sims, uh, Kenneth Williams, Barbara Windsor, um, uh, Bernard Breslau, Bernard Cribbins, uh, Peter Butterworth, Angela Douglas. I mean, it goes on and on. There were so many people who did... Many more carry-on films than I did, but they were part of the crowd. Those people are never recognized, but and I've, I've often thought, you know, they were very loyal to the carry-on films. They, they were in 20 or 30 of them. Very loyal actors, not actors, stand-ins. And I thought, bless their hearts, I wonder what's happening to them. Now, I wish some sort, because none of us got residuals, you understand that. No, there was no residuals for every time they're put on television. Nobody got a penny. And I thought, from the amount of money that the people who made the carry-on films, they should have put a little trust fund away for all these loyal people who work for them over the years, because they're getting on a bit now. They need a few bob to pay for medications, etc. And if there'd have been some of the millions put away in some trust for these people, I think it would have paid them a little... They, they would have been very grateful to it, and I would have been very grateful for, for, for them to do to that have got for it. Yeah. Do you have a personal favourite from those ones that you appeared in? It's a long time ago now, 40 years. Gosh. Yes. yes, yes. I don't watch them. You know, a lot of film stars you read about or you see, they have their own screens in their own home in Hollywood and they drop the screen down every other night and bring their friends in to watch the films they've done. That's not my life. You know, I've got all the carry-on films in the library. I, didn't, I, I remember seeing them when they first came out, but I don't sit there watching myself every time. And the, the ego's not that big. I don't have to. You know, I can, they're up yeah. there in my head. But the, the, which ones? I mean, I love Carry On Again, Doctor. You know, that was uh, yeah. with Sid. It was always lovely working with Sid. Um, carry, on, carry On, Doctor. Um, 
everybody has their own favorites. Yeah. So somebody yesterday said, screaming, I just live with, you know. Other ones said, cowboy, yes, but fine. I don't have any favorites. All of them were great to do at the time because I was sharing screen time with such lovely legends. As the, yeah. as you gave us a lot of pleasure. We, uh, uh, we, uh, we enjoyed it and we still do. Fifteen now. What's the best thing, Jim Dale, about being older and wiser? I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to be any other age now. I, I, I'm very happy. Going. I'm. I'm looking forward to another ten, fifteen years of this. You know, once we've put that that wheelchair ramp up to the st- stage <laughs> in about ten years' time, I'll still be doing this. No, you have to look forward. You. I, well, actually, I love memories. So I, I. I have so many memories that, are, you know, being eighty is not something you. You. You, you know. You shake your oh, poor sod. No, I've had to, for, for a kid that's fifteen year old. He might not become sixteen. He might not last another day for some silly reason. But to look back and say, I've had 80 lovely years with lovely people and doing great work and having fun. That's what life should be like, having fun. And and I've done it for all these years and uh, I, I haven't regretted anything. Here's question number 16 now. And you've worked with some great people over the years in all genres of theater and musical dance and what have you. Were you ever starstruck? Yes, I well, not starstruck, but I was so honoured that they were coming backstage to say hello, and and that happened with Scapino, and it happened with Barnum when we toured, especially to Los Angeles. You know, I said to my dresser. A lovely Englishman called Harry Edwards. I said, "Who's that old gentleman in the in the corner?" Tennessee Williams. I said, "Oh Christ, thank you." And then in came this big lady, blonde hair. I said, "Who's that?" She said, "Peggy Lee." I said, "Oh, and that gentleman, Kerry Grant and his young wife." So these people were coming. Gene Kelly. Oh, they were all coming backstage, and I wasn't starstruck. I was just so thrilled that what we had done was. Uh, probably worthwhile them coming back. And then I started to work with them, with Mickey Rooney in the Disney film Pete's Dragon and Red Buttons and Shelley Winters. So working with these people, it's that you can't be starstruck. You're just on stage with them or on film with them and you are sharing those moments. And it's lovely to be having conversations uh, with such well-known people, such talented people. As well, and as then, you then the National Theatre. I mean, don't forget. But I was sharing a dressing room with my lovely uh, Derek Jacobi and Jeremy Brett and Ronald Pickup and Charlie Kay and Harry Lomax. We shared this small room for at least a year and a half, and I was I loved each and every one of those guys, and I still do. You mentioned those stars. You mentioned those pieces that you were in. Yeah. And looking at you, for people at home, obviously this is the radio. You don't look any different. Maybe a little grayer, <laughs> but you've gosh, you've you've you kept your looks. You yeah. look exactly the same as we'll remember you from. Thank God for life. That's. I mean, that's. that's you must that's, have sold your soul to the devil at some stage. Did, 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 twice. That's oh, all. Okay. No more. No, just twice. But you know, when you, some people really do change. You can see them. They go one shape or another. They're very very fat or they look anorexic, you know. Um, I've always been like this. I can I still get the same pants on that I wore when I was 18. You know? I don't put on weight, and this, this annoys a lot of people. <laughs> really does. I don't drink a lot, you know, just a couple of glasses of wine a night, but that's, that's it. Um, I don't do anything. 
and I'm, I sort of feel embarrassed. Well, that... let me pick you up on that. Here's question number 17 now. Right. It's a complete day off. What will you do? Will you watch a film, read a book? What will you do? There's no work today. Yeah. What, are you, what are you going to do? I would probably, if I was in New York, I'd take the dog for a walk because we have... The, the New York Central Park has a rule that says after nine o'clock at night until nine o'clock in the morning, all dogs are allowed off leash. So I don't just take my dog for a walk and take it off the leash. There are up to, we've estimated 8,000 dogs every morning in Central Park, off leash, all playing. They're not fighting, they're playing. And that is such a joy to watch. You know, it's like watching a, 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 a children's playground with all the little kids playing. That another, that's another joy of my life, just watching those kids being so real and themselves. So that's one. I, if I was up at my house in the country, I'd, I'd get in the, in the boat and go out fishing for the afternoon. We we have a, some water there that we can go fishing on. And that's another thing. And then in the evening, I'd have a couple of games of backgammon with a few friends. Oh, excellent. Yeah. You're listening to 20 Questions with Jim Dale. And here's question number 18 now, Jim. If you could live one year of your life again, is there one year that you'd pick? Well, I I think I would would pick the year that we... I, I originated the part of Barnum on Broadway. Um, I didn't realize how physical that would be and how draining that would be to do eight performances a week. I mean, in my one-man show, I lost 11 pounds uh, in, in New York doing a one-man show. Now, doing Barnum, when you are doing tricks like walking a 30-foot-long tightrope eight feet off the ground with no support, no holding on onto an umbrella or a pole, and singing a song at the same time, I would have put myself into a more fit, a better condition than I did because I had to learn not only the part of Barnum and how to display the spirit of this man, but also juggling and also wire walking, also trampoline work, and also most the most difficult of all, unicycle work. So all this was on top of of learning and memorizing and rehearsing and polishing the main leading role. So that was a tremendous amount of energy and effort that was needed. And I would go home at night and, and have a bath and then pull the plug out of the bath and the water would drain away and I would sit in the bath with the water dripping off my forehead, hyperventilating. And that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. If I had known that that was what I, it was all going to be, I would have prepared my body a lot more than I had. Um, I had a few months to prepare it, but uh, and it's I, it's my own fault because I I told them let let's do the trampoline. I said to them, can I walk a tightrope? I said to them, let me do it. So it's my own fault. I was the one who wanted to do it, and they said, okay, do it, but it's going to take some of your energy. Here's question number nineteen. Now, um, what does the future hold for Jim Dale? We know we've got just Jim Dale. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the show. Well, I suppose a lot of the people who come along in England to see the show will, will be the carry-on aficionados. I think most Brits are. They, they've seen the carry-on films for so long. They know every line. They know every scene. And so it's, it's not me talking about the films, showing the films. We've seen the films. So they're coming along expecting it to be a carry-on Jim Dale night. 
No, it's not. It, it's, a, it's a carry-on sort of Jim Dale life. It's been 65 years of, of Jim Dale being involved in show business in one field or another and then progressing from that moment to the next and what it did to, to Jim Dale, how it changed Jim Dale. The carry-on films did a certain thing for me. They gave me a certain experience and uh, work that led me to the next stepping stone and to the next. So Just Jim Dale is not just a collection of me standing up there reminiscing about the old days and telling a few jokes. That's not what the show's about at all. Richard Maltby said, when people walk out of the show, we don't want them to say, that was a funny evening. Yes, it was, but we want them, and Richard said, and they walk out now going, wow, that's who he is. Didn't know that. And that's, I think, what what I need to say. I haven't done spent my whole life doing carry-on films. There's Shakespeare and, and, and Noel Coward and uh, many other dis- different types of theatre and different types of film and different types of living that I've been doing over 60 years. So we're incorporating a lot of those, as well as, of course, Harry Potter, which uh, I spent seven or eight years of my life doing in, in America. Um, Stephen Fry did them over here. I did America and Canada. So that was a another section of my life going back to having been a disc jockey for the BBC in my young days the experience of that enabled me to to do the uh, audio books of 50 years later 60 years later so all of this was experience throughout the life that you pick up that can come in very handy later on well a fascinating insight into your life just here I'm sure the show reveals even more just Jim Dale is on at the vaudeville theater um final question number 20 uh what's your motto Jim Dale <laughs> oh dear oh you do throw these at me don't you what's my motto just keep going I think I should just keep going. Um, there's nothing, you know, I hate that word retirement. That like, it's another expression for give up. You know, um, and I, I'm never going to give up. I, there's no need for it. And there's no need for any of us to give up. If you feel you're going to be in retirement, find something else to do with your life because retirement's going to kill you off as quick as anything. I find something to do exciting. And luckily, I'm in a business where if I don't want to do that, I can do that or that or that or that or that. So there's not going to be no time in my future where I sit back and say I'm bored. That's what life should not be about. Jim Dale, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Having me, I've enjoyed every minute.